0: Welcome to the Mulcahy Law Firm podcast. For over 25 years, Mulcahy Law Firm has helped plan communities and condominium associations throughout the state of Arizona. The intent of our Zoom, Facebook Live, First Friday free call in, videos, and podcasts is to provide a forum for board members and community managers to receive answers to HOA and condo legal questions. Please note the content of these sessions are general in nature and is not attended to and should not be relied upon or construed as legal opinion or legal advice regarding any specific issue or factual circumstance. You should directly consult with an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today for um, this Friday's February virtual First Friday free call in event. Um, So this morning, Beth Wilkehy is out of town, so she can't be here. But my name is Hayden DiLorenzo. I'm an attorney with the firm, and I will be answering today's questions live for you. So just a friendly reminder um, that if you haven't already done so, please go ahead and submit your first Friday questions in the Q&A box in the Zoom or in the comment section um, on the Facebook Live as soon as possible. And I will go ahead and answer all of the questions that we receive between now and 10 a.m. So, just a quick friendly reminder, due to the large volume of questions that we receive um, in these events, this free opportunity is limited to one question per association. So, if you plan on submitting a question live during this session, please go ahead and include the name of your association and your current role um, when you are submitting the question. And then, in the event that we do not get to your questions today, Um, in this live, we will go ahead and email you with our answers. So thank you for understanding. Okay, so jumping right into it, um, starting with just a little bit of the Arizona legislative update. Um, The Arizona legislative session has begun. So it started on Monday, January 9th, 2023. And as of yesterday, there are 15 bills pertaining to HOAs and condos that have been introduced on a wide um, variety of topics. Um, So these are going to include flags, home-based businesses, short-term rentals, solar panels, water devices, um, annual meetings, indemnification of board members, requests to review books and records of an association, insurance, parking on streets, referendums, and political activities. Um, So each week, the Arizona legislature is in session. Our firm posts um, an updated summary of the pending HOA and condo bills. Um, So you can find this summary on our homepage of our firm's website, and that's going to be at www.mulcahylawfirm.com. And we'll also go ahead and share with you today um, the link to our 2023 legislative summary. So you'll go ahead, um, you'll be able to see that in the chat. And we'll also share a link for our website showing our upcoming events. Um, So that's also going to be linked in the chat for you as well. All right, and with that behind us, I think we can go ahead and jump right into questions. So um, thank you to everyone who submitted questions in advance. Um, Let's go ahead and get started. So our first question looks like it's coming from a homeowner and this question says, can the association president also legally serve as chairman of the landscape committee? If so, is this common practice? There is no mention of this in our CCNRs or bylaws. The short answer to this is if there's no um, mention of this in your association's documents and your documents don't prohibit it, um, this will be allowable. So thank you for the question. The next question is going to be from a board member. This says, what advice would you have for an HOA regarding AED and can an HOA ensure against liability for use of AED for association and owners using the device? So, our firm does actually have a blog on AEDs um, in condos and HOAs. And we're going to share a link to that in our chat right now. Um, But just to answer that question, um, our firm is in favor of AEDs being installed throughout communities. Um, So, some ideas for locations of installation um, would be tennis courts, clubhouses, pool decks, gyms. Um, And if you have an AED on property, it's very important that you ensure that it works properly and that it's checked um, regularly to confirm um, that it's going to be emergency ready. So the pads will need to be replaced after a certain amount of time um, and things such as that. So in Arizona and many other states, um, Good Samaritan laws will or have been established to encourage bystanders to get involved in emergency situations. Um, Without the fear of being sued if um, their actions inadvertently contribute to a person's injury or death. So that's something to keep in mind. So, again, thank you for your question. Next question is from a community manager. This question says, What is your opinion of having a write in candidate option on an annual meeting ballot? I'm not opposed to this, but just something to keep in mind is that it's really difficult to. Um, get a write-in candidate elected um, since their name isn't printed on the ballot as a candidate. So I have no problem with this, it's just very rare that these candidates actually end up getting elected. Okay, next question is going to be from a board member. We have a web page on our management company's platform that has the capability of listing all of the homeowner's names and addresses if our management company flips a flag showing this information. The directory would be available only to our homeowners. Does does Arizona HOA law allow us to publish the homeowner's name and address in a residential directory on our webpage? Um, So the answer to this is going to be yes. If the association is only posting the names and property address of the homeowners, which is already going to be information that's um, publicly available on the county assessor's website, then I'm fine with this. Now, where you're going to want to be careful is if you're getting into um, posting information that goes beyond that. So, information such as email addresses, offsite addresses, or um, phone numbers of the owners. Um, This will need to, um, you'll need to have owner permission to post this kind of information. So, to the extent it's just the name and property address, I think there's no problem with that. Okay. So our next question is going to be from a resident. And the question says, our community is under 40 homes. It was recently stated by a member of the board that we would be in violation of open meeting laws should we have a get together or gathering and discuss amongst us anything to do with the community. No decisions, voting, et cetera, would take place. Only ideas shared and informational communication that is affecting our community. Is this correct? So that's a good question. Anytime that a quorum of the board is meeting to discuss association business, whether that's going to be an informal meeting or um, whether a vote is taken or not, this must be an open meeting and it's subject to Arizona open meeting law. So you're going to want to follow Arizona open meeting law. So we also do have a cheat sheet on this that we we will share with you today. And that's going to be Arizona's open meeting law and rules for recording association meetings. So go ahead and check that out for a little bit more information on open meeting law. Okay, great question so far. Um, the next question is going to be from a board member. And this question says, we have a seven member board. I know that if four members meet, it's considered a quorum and requires a notice and minutes. But if no action is taken, is it still considered an official meeting? So for example, we want to get together to review bids for an upcoming project. Can we do that among ourselves informally? and then bring it to a meeting for review and a vote. So again, not to sound like a broken record here, but any time that a quorum of the board is meeting um, to discuss association business, this is going to be subject to Arizona open meeting law. For things such as reviewing bids and discussing bids, um, whether or not a vote is taken, that must be an open board meeting and you must follow the Arizona um, open meeting law. So again, go ahead and check out that um, cheat sheet that we're posting in the chat for a little bit more information on that. All right, next question is from a board member as well. This says, our management company requires all email correspondence between the board and management to copy everyone on the board and management, oh, everyone on the board and management on every email correspondence. Is this a violation of the open meeting rule since business of the community is discussed in the emails? So that is a great question, and I'm definitely questioning this requirement and the advice that you're receiving. Online communication between board members can be considered board business if a business decision occurs between a quorum of the board. So Arizona open meeting law requires all board business, sorry, all it's going to require all board business except for executive sessions to be open to all members of the association. Oh. And I think I misspoke. Um, it's So if a business discussion occurs between um, a quorum of the board, so not necessarily a business decision. So even if the association is discussing um, this kind of information or, um, you know, association business, this needs to be um, following open meeting law. However, something to bear in mind is that boards can conduct business outside of a board meeting via email in emergency circumstances. So these will be very limited circumstances. This is going to be circumstances where the board can't wait 48 hours to notice the meeting. All meetings used for this purpose should be saved. Oh, sorry, I misspoke again. All emails used for this purpose um, should be saved and kept with the association records. And then in the event of an emergency email meeting, only the emergency should be addressed. And Arizona law um, is going to require um, that the board take minutes and that the minutes state the reason necessitating the emergency meeting. So this is um, something that we see boards run into from time to time. They will start discussing emergency matters. And then, you know, something else will come up and they start discussing ordinary association business. And this is when you can kind of get into a gray area there. So we really recommend that um, that you're only keeping these emergency email meetings to the emergency matter at hand. Um, So then when these minutes are taken, the minutes should be read and approved at the next regularly scheduled board meeting. And the action taken in the emergency meeting should be reaffirmed at the next regular board meeting. All right, so that was a great question. Uh, moving on to our next question. It looks like this is coming from a board member. It says, everywhere I've looked, it says a meeting agenda must be made available at an open board meeting. I can't get our board president to make an agenda available to the board members before a meeting, let alone to the homeowners um, we're supposed to be serving. Since many boards are still meeting virtually, how is the meeting agenda being made available for remote participants? So thank you for your question. Um, Under Arizona law, the agenda shall be made available to all those attending the meeting. So in order to satisfy this requirement, I would recommend including the agenda, first of all, on the notice and sending copies of the agenda via email to all owners who have email addresses on file and having the agenda available also to review on the Zoom teleconference. And then another way to comply with this law would be to hand out the agenda to meeting attendees if the meeting is held in person. Um, If the meeting is virtual, the host should share on the screen a copy of the agenda as well. And our firm does have um, a cheat sheet on this issue as well. So this is going to be titled Tips for Conducting Virtual Meetings. And we will go ahead and share this with you in the chat now. Next question is from a board member. This question says, an owner in our community has installed a small flat screen device at the front door. that records not only who arrives at their door, but also records all other three homeowners coming and going. Due to the location of the device, it also records the parking lot where these owners park. What are the privacy rights of these homeowners? So good question. A camera on an owner's property should not record another owner's property or common areas, period. So um, if an owner is installing a camera for security purposes on their property, um, measures should be taken to ensure that um, These devices are solely recording the owner's property. So our firm also does have a blog on cameras Um, that's going to be on our website. And we will also post a link to that in the chat for you for a little more information on that. Okay, moving on to the next question. This is from a resident. And the question says, what are the Arizona limits on fines? How frequently can they go on until the issue is resolved? What are the max fines for a violation? Okay, good question. Um, fines in Arizona must be reasonable under Arizona law. The question is, what is reasonable? And this can be hard to say. We'd have to look at the violation and then come up with a reasonable amount um, and what that would be for the violation at hand. So, for example, $1,000, a $1,000 fine for failure to trim a palm tree is uh, probably not reasonable but maybe a fine of $150 or $100 um, for the same violation would be more of a reasonable fine. There's no maximum fine in Arizona for a violation. Fines can be charged as often as the board wants, but they have to be set up correctly. So this is going to include notice of the violation and an opportunity to be heard. Frequency of fines can all be set up in the fine letter so that the owner Um, Knows when and how much the fines will be levied if the violation were to continue. And we have a couple of resources um, discussing levying and collecting fines in associations. So the first is going to be our cheat sheet on the issue, um, which we'll go ahead and share in the chat. And then we've also got the statutes that pertain to issuing fines on violations in associations. So for planned communities, that's going to be. ARS Section 33-1803, and for condominiums, it's going to be ARS 33-1242, and I believe we'll be sharing links to all of that with you now. Next question is from a board member. This says, to follow on to last month's question on a workaround to a non-deeded spouse being able to serve on the board of an HOA, the bylaws require a board member to be a member of the association, and only owners are members. You suggested changing bylaws to allow the spouse or having spousal owner deed 1% to the non-owner. Would a durable general POA, non-springing, that gives power to a non-owner to act on the owner's behalf also work for non-owner spouse to be considered a member and therefore be able to be on the board? I assume that this specific power would need to be enumerated in the POA. The short answer to this question is, no, a power of attorney does not give a non-owner the right to be a board member. Um, so that is going to be limited um, to, to record owners of the property. Next question is from an owner. And it says, in, 20, um, in 2021 and 22, a quorum was not meant for an annual meeting um, for a condo association to be held and no attempt was made to reschedule a meeting. The board published a newsletter of minutes of the annual meeting when no meeting was held. When the meeting was called to order, it was certified no quorum reached, unable to proceed with the annual meeting. The board and management company sent a letter out stating no statutory language states that if a quorum is not met, the annual meeting must be held again until there is a quorum. Is this right? So that is true. Um, However, best practices will dictate that if an annual meeting has been canceled for one or two years due to failure to reach a quorum, um, the board should really make a second attempt to get a quorum um, by having a second attempt at the annual meeting shortly after the uh, initial failed annual meeting. So um, this is something that comes up quite a bit. So we do have a blog on the matter. This is going to be entitled help, we can't get a quorum at our annual meeting. So if you're relating to this, go ahead and check out our blog, which we'll post in the chat for you now. Great questions. Um, the next question is going to be from a board member as well. This says, are there specific regulations regarding flagpoles versus flag posts in an HOA? For example, if it is difficult to mount a flag post on a home, can an HOA restrict a flagpole in a front yard? If the HOA cannot, are there any parameters to help guide what this can look like? There are going to be a couple of relevant statutes on point um, for this issue, and that's going to be for planned communities, ARS 33-1808, A and B. And for condominiums, it's going to be ARS section 33-1261. And so just to answer your question, um, under Arizona law, the association can um, implement or adopt reasonable rules and regulations regarding the placement and manner of display of the flags, um, which are prescribed and protected by subsection A of this statute. The association rules can regulate um, location and size of flagpoles. They may limit the member to displaying not more than two flags at a time, and they may limit the height of the flagpole to not more than the height of the rooftop of the member's home, They shall not prohibit installing a flagpole in the front or backyard of the member's property. We've got a cheat sheet here that covers this and it's going to be number seven on our top 10 cheat sheet. And that's going to address the display of flags. So we will share that with you now. Um, Additionally, we have a blog article on first responder flags. So if any of that is interesting to you, make sure to go ahead and check that out. Next question is from a board member. This says, realizing the importance of using vendors that are insured, cost and labor shortages often require such contractors to use non-skilled, uninsured and independent sub-laborers for gardening and landscaping work. In such cases, could we use an independent contractor waiver of liability slash hold harmless release form? So this is a good question. Um, However, our firm advises against using a waiver of liability form, um, simply for the reason that they don't hold up in court um, if if they were to be challenged. So we always recommend that the association use licensed, bonded, and insured contractors. And um, for a little more information on bidding and contracting in associations, we will go ahead and share our cheat sheet on the matter. And we also have a blog titled, It's Worth It, Hire a Licensed Contractor. So uh, those will be posted in the chat. Feel free to check those out for a little bit more information and guidance on that matter. These are all great questions. It looks like the next one is from a homeowner. Regarding annual meetings, is it legal to write in candidates on the ballot? Is it legal to appoint a candidate from the floor at the annual meeting? So as long as the association's documents don't prohibit writing candidates, um, writing candidates will be allowed on the ballot. As far as the... uh, question about appointing a candidate from the floor, I would have to um, hear a little bit more information about a particular circumstance where this would occur at the annual meeting. Most of the time this is done via a majority um, board vote at a regular board meeting. So I'm not saying it can't be done at an annual meeting, but it just would be a little unusual to do it at that time. Also, something important to note is that most documents will require candidates to be elected at the annual meeting. Um, So we do also have a cheat sheet on this. This is going to be how to conduct successful annual meetings. So for a little bit more information on conducting an annual meeting, we will go ahead and share that cheat sheet with you in the chat. Next question. This question says, we have over 32 cameras in our association. However, criminals are still at it. In many cases, they wear gear to skew the video from being able to get a positive ID, or they know the timing of our cameras. Bottom line, they're still committing crimes in full view of cameras. Residents are very aware and have brought it to our attention often. Would hiring security guards be our best next step? If not, what would you suggest? A resource that we highly recommend checking out is going to be our um, cheat sheet titled Preventing Crime, and limiting liability for community associations. So this will have a lot of information on um, helping prevent crime within associations. But to answer your question, I do feel that hiring a patrol company would be a good next step if your association can afford it. Um, Otherwise, another option would be to start a block watch or something of that sort to to kind of monitor um, your association. Next question is from an owner and former board member. This says, what can be done when the HOA president unilaterally sacks and engages vendors without board approval or may have voted in executive session? If it is done in executive session, minutes are not accessible for review by the membership. Okay, how can this information be reviewed? To answer that question, um, only a majority of board can fire a vendor and their vote must be taken in an open board meeting. So a good way to stop this, if this is occurring in your association, is to run for the board and object when things like this are done by a board member. You could also hire an attorney to write the board a letter regarding this matter or file a complaint with the Arizona Department of Real Estate to have your concern heard by an administrative law judge. Those are just some options for you there. Moving on to our next question, this is from a homeowner. And this question says, if there is a line item in your annual budget, does that automatically mean that you can spend that money without receiving proposals and bringing them before the board and homeowners in an open meeting and voting on a vendor selection and scope and amount? So in short, no, it does not. All expenditures other than routine bills like water, electricity, et cetera, will need to be approved by the board at an open board meeting. So we do have a cheat sheet regarding budgets for a little bit more information on this process. So if that's interesting to you, go ahead and check that out. We'll be sharing that in the chat with you. Moving right along, the next question is from a board member. And this question says two written requests for our small HOA's 2022 financial records went unfilled in violation of ARS 33-1805. Our new treasurer put out a PDF financial report for November and December without linking to previous reports, which contained errors. We don't believe there is financial hanky-panky going on, but we are concerned our 2023 budget is not based on facts. How can we get actual 2022 financial records short of petitioning the Arizona Department of Administrative Hearings? How do we use the um, Arizona Department of Real Estate mediation option? First and foremost, I recommend that you write a formal demand letter to the board, um, reiterating your request um, to see those records that you'd like to see. Once that's been done, if they refuse, I would recommend hiring an attorney or filing a complaint with the Arizona Department of Real Estate against the association. Um, You can contact the Department of Real Estate for more information on whether or not their mediation program applies to HOAs and condos That website is going to be azre.gov. And then for a link to the statute pertaining to this issue, um, that's going to be ARS 33-1805 regarding, um, excuse me, association financial and other records. And we'll go ahead and link that for you. So the next question is from a board member as well. This question states, we want to establish a legacy fund where owners can leave money to our HOA when they die. Do you have advice, best practices, a cheat sheet um, on how we start this up? This question is a little complicated and it's actually going to um, exceed the scope of our first Friday event. Um, We recommend consulting with your attorney and CPA to come up with a plan for creating a legacy fund and to assist with strategy regarding tax consequences for this type of fund. Next question is also from a board member. This question states: CCNRs state it shall be each homeowner's responsibility to provide for himself owner's liability insurance, theft or other insurance covering personal property damage and loss, casualty insurance on his portion not considered common property, and insurance which is not carried by the association and which the owner desires. Can the HOA require yearly proofs of insurance, or must that be specified in the CCNRs? In short, um, it would need to be. Sp- specified in the CCNRs for it to be enforceable in this case. Okay, so we've got a question from a board member. My board receives many quotes for roof leak repairs, pool repairs, requests to approve financial investments, time-sensitive REITs, et cetera, submitted between monthly open meetings. Also less critical are requests to reserve the community room and requests for extending parking passes, et cetera. Using unanimous email consent, then affirming the vote at the following open meeting is used often. To keep up with daily decisions, is it expected emergency or special meetings be routinely called? Or is this the expectation everything is, excuse me, or it is the expectation everything is delayed until the next regular board meeting um, to be in compliance with ARS section 33 1248? So this is a great question. Our firm does not recommend using unanimous consent forms for HOAs or condos, because in our opinion, this violates Arizona open meeting law. So a board should make um, all non-emergency decisions at an open board meeting or at a special meeting of the board. So we will also go ahead and link um, the statute pertaining to this issue. That's going to be um, ARS section 33-1248 regarding open meetings for a little bit more information on that. Next question is from a board member. Question says, how is our HOA to proceed if a quorum of residents are not present at the annual meeting? Great question. First, it's important to note that under Arizona law, an association is required to conduct an annual meeting every year. I recognize that it's not possible to conduct an annual meeting if the board can't get a quorum to attend the meeting in person or um, by mail-in or absentee ballot. So if an association can't obtain um, a quorum at the first attempt of an annual meeting, it's my opinion that the association should try one more time to conduct the annual meeting. And in some cases, an association's documents will even specify um, what to do after the second attempt at a meeting. For example, there will be a lower quorum requirement or a certain time period in which the meeting must be conducted. So I recommend checking out your documents. Um, And we also have a blog that I believe we shared before. We'll share it again here. It's entitled Help. We can't get a quorum at our annual meetings. So that will have some more helpful information for you as well. Next question. This one's also going to be from a board member. This says we have several cars sitting in driveways not in use. One has tires slowly going flat. The other is a non-registered vehicle with cardboard dripped on underneath. Our CCNRs say the vehicles must be operable. How do we define operable? Registered with current tags? We would probably need to take a closer look at your association's documents for a more definitive answer on this. But typically I would say that operable probably means drivable. So if the vehicles aren't drivable, they're probably not in operable condition um, pursuant to your association documents. So our next question is also from a board member. This question says, is a post-possession agreement considered to be a lease, which would be subject to the lease requirements of our CCNRs, or is it considered to be an addendum to the sales contract and therefore not subject to our lease requirements? And can we ask for a copy of the agreement? So the answer to this question is going to be, it depends. Is there money being exchanged? If so, then likely yes. Um, So we'd say to reach out to the owner and ask for more information regarding the length of the agreement, um, exchange of money and um, other questions too, to kind of gain some clarification. And then to contact our firm for advice on how to proceed once you have more information on the situation. We'd be happy to help you out with that. All right. The next question is from an owner. And this question says, what is the proper wording for breach of fiduciary responsibilities in regard to misuse of association funds, um, doing a major job without a signed contract, and three bids for a removal petition of certain board members. All of these um, examples are going to be examples of a failure to exercise a duty of care. A board of directors has a duty of care to the members of the association. And if they're doing these things that you described, they are likely failing to exercise that duty of care. So the next question is also from a board member. This question says, CCNRs do not allow rentals under 30 days. However, several homeowners have registered with the city of Scottsdale as a short-term rental under 30 days due to the city's new regulations. What would be the next steps, if any, to inform these owners regist- registering as a short-term rental with the city of Scottsdale that it is not okay? To answer this question, our firm would suggest sending a letter to the owner stating this information, and if they don't comply with the board's request, then we recommend giving this matter to our firm, and we'll send out a demand letter on the association's behalf. And it, it's correct. Just because the city is approving these short-term rentals doesn't mean that the association has to allow it. So, um, if the CCNRs don't permit it, then then it it won't be permitted, even if the city approves it. Okay. Next question, also from a board member. This says. About 25% of our units are rented. Our board feels we should be keeping them informed with our newsletters and blast emails. The management company says they will send information only to owners who may or may not forward um, the information. Is this correct? To answer this question, this is really going to be up to the board as to um, how they want to handle this. There's no right or wrong answer on this issue. It could really go either way. There are going to be pros and cons. both so ultimately this is just going to be up to the board's discretion all right great questions so this one is going to be from a board member and this question says let's see homeowner is asking the board for monthly income statements and balance sheets however we only historically have provided a copy of the bank statement every month with an annual budget shown just once a year are we required to provide this information I know it falls under GAAP for financial reporting, but not sure if we as a homeowner's organization are required to provide this outside of our annual meeting. So this is a good question. SB 1387 would indemnify the board members um, from any liability for any action taken or any failure to take any action if the duties were performed in compliance with the subsections um, regarding due care, treating members fairly, and also acting in good faith. Um, however, our firm does not feel that this relieves a community association of its responsibility of maintaining um, director and officer insurance. And I would continue to recommend that the associations um, or that the association maintain DNO insurance as well. Great question. For our last question, this says our community is in debt, no reserves, unpaid bills with several maintenance or health concerns in our common area. We as homeowners only found out these things two weeks ago when the board has known for at least five months. The board is breaking several Arizona revised statutes and several of our CCNRs and bylaws that the president signed himself. They are not acting in good faith and are refusing to step down. A special meeting petition to remove the board members was validated by our board members yesterday. If the board still refuses to follow the law and we we have to pursue via ADRE or court, how bad is that for our community at this point? We would essentially be suing ourselves. So in the event that a valid petition for removal is submitted to the board with the requisite number of verified signatures um, of eligible record owners, I would strongly urge the board to schedule a special meeting to vote on the removal in accordance with Arizona law. Um, Litigation would be costly and time consuming for all parties involved. However, this is a pretty fact specific scenario. And I would need um, a little more information to provide further analysis on this issue um, without knowing all the specific details. Great question. And it looks like that is going to be it today. So again, thank you all for joining us for today's um, first Friday virtual event. We had over 51 attendees on Zoom and many more live viewers on Facebook. So that's great. Um, Again, don't forget to join us for our firm's 2023 virtual HOA and condo academy number two um, on Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. That's going to be from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. And the topic of this class is going to be secrets to running effective board meetings and annual meetings. So you're not gonna want to miss out on that. Um, Make sure to tune in. And then our next live virtual First Friday event is going to be Friday, March 3rd. So make sure to join us for that as well. Um, Thank you everyone again for joining us today. Um, I hope you have a great weekend, great rest of your day, and we hope to see you later this month. Thank you. Don't forget our free cheat sheets are available for download at mokahilawfirm.com. Please go to iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a rating and a review.